hijinks, hilarity, highly questionable behavior, and of course, Hightower. We're talking movies, we're talking Police Academy, starring Steve Gutenberg, Kim Cattrall, and Michael Winslow, directed by Hugh Wilson. Drop that stereo before I blow your goddamn nuts off, asshole. Classic theme music. Don't move, dirtbag. But actually, I want to bring another one specifically to you, Scott. To me, marriage is a its a sacred institution. So, tell me, do you and your wife do a doggy style or what? Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? And at the advice of our producer, we're still drinking. Uh, that quote, by the way, uh, is a quote about being doggy style. That is not a question to you, Scott. That said, take us away. I, I fucking knew you were going to use that quote. Like the minute they, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, Here, here's the quote Chris is going to use. <laughs> but um, yeah, like you, all I got to say is you got to kind of fucking love the 80s. Eh? It's the foundation of the films today. It's like where everything's now a fucking franchise where we had saw movie every year or paranormal activity every year recently growing up we had a police academy movie every year and then a saturday morning cartoon show in between and it actually had a tv show tv show i believe it did it not yeah like i think in the 90s after the movie like the last movie aired i think they tried it as a tv show but yeah man that's the thing like out of this isn't my favorite out of any of the actual series really but no it's not it's well i mean i mean that's that's a good segue for me because i mean on rotten tomatoes it's it it only has a 55 critic rating and a 64 in the audience but it's the highest ranking on that fucking list you know what i mean and it's not on scott stop wait i and i don't want to talk too much about uh the entire franchise because there's uh Mm -hmm. six seven movies in the franchise i mean there's Police Academy one through six, and then then when they go to Russia is just when they go to Russia. Uh, what is your favorite, Scott? What is Scott's favorite Police Academy movie? I'm gonna say three. Which one's it's that? When they, uh, it's four is Citizens techni- on Parole, uh, Patrol, Parole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three is Back to Training, which is you take the bad guy from two, which was Bobcat. Goldway. Um, oh, yeah. he's so fucking and, good, man. He's and then you so put him good. as the cop, right? <laughs> and then half the time he's like, people, he's he's like training as the cop, and people think he's still like the leader of the gang, and he like comes up to them, and they think he's they're getting robbed, and he's like, oh okay, like he. he just, but he does he, it in that high pitched Bobcat Goldway kind of voice. You know what I mean? Like he's got that fucking crazy energy yeah. and that really distinct, distinct voice, right? I mean, Bobcat Goldway is fantastic. He's also really good in Blow, just as a bit of a side note or whatever. So, um, okay, so <laughs> yeah, so okay, I'd say that one. When uh, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't probably watched this movie since I didn't watch it in 84 because I wouldn't have been the appropriate age to watch it. Uh, I, I probably watched it later in the 80s. Uh, I'm not going to give my any age ways. I don't do. I'm 35 to 45 as an actor. Um, but uh, I just watched it for the podcast. Have you watched it? Bef- like, other than for this show, did you watch it beforehand? 
like years and years ago right okay so like we're kind of probably on the same... yeah like probably like when the dvd release or something like that when it came out like that way as a set kind of thing i think i bought them all i, I can't remember because i don't have my dvds or blu-rays anymore but yeah like like for me this was like i think i was nine or ten when i watched this and this was when like obviously home video when it came out and then it would have been right around when the third one came out so that's probably why that's my first my favorite one because i watched the third first but yeah this was like my my little gateway film to like all 80s 80s early 90s sex comedies like hamburger the movie revenge of the nerds ski school right once it got to this because this was the only one in the series that was rated r yeah yeah, yeah. everything else went pg-13 and then pg but yeah like once i got to this one it, it became like my little gateway to you know adolescent boy sex comedies so did it stand up i did like it's this is definitely considered a cult classic and i was looking oh, at 100%. some of the, like i was looking at some of the like reviews you would say or comments on the movie on like imdb and people are like oh still like laugh out loud funny still i, I i'm not, i didn't laugh at all like there's a, oh uh, i definitely there's definitely times that i laughed. It, yeah like i sorry I, I it was more chuckle like, i would say i chuckled yes. right like Where'd you get that gun, son? My mom gave it to me. And I remember that as a kid being like this fucking hilarious. He's got the like 44 Magnum. He's just like, that's Tackleberry, right? Uh, played yeah. by um, David Graf. Uh, and I'm just being like, that's that was so funny. And I still chuckle. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like chuckle that. Uh, the Blue Oyster scene <laughs> kind of still makes dun, me dun, laugh. Dun, 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 dun. Let's be honest. Like there was an entire generation of kids that that was like synonymous with like homosexuals. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to say it. No, no. It's like, yeah, that was the thing. This was probably the first film like nine and 10, like where I, where I saw like, like a home, like homosexual club, like a gay bar. I believe we call that same sex nowadays or other things. Whatever. Like I'm not being derogatory or whatever, but I'm like, like watching it now, I'm like, why are they all dressed up like the fucking village people and not even <laughs> like all the village people? I'm like, there's no way they would they would all dress up like that. <laughs> right? Except like, that it's a leather they, bar. It's a leather bar. That's that's literally their kink. So are you, you may sure? want to Yeah, I'm a fucking hundred percent sure that that that, that is a leather bar because they are just dressed like leather men, you know what I mean? But I mean go watch the... uh, go watch cruising with Al Pacino. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Okay. But yeah, like watching it now, I'm just like, you know, it's just, <laughs> I won't say you can't get away with it now, but I'm like, yeah, there would be a lot of. No, you can say that. You can say you cannot get away with that because yeah, I... there's a lot of stuff in that movie. Uh, there's a lot of like sexist and uh, ra- like there's like some racial statements that I'm not going to make on this podcast that that basically is what got uh uh, Hightower to go after uh, what's his head there in the car and like rip the car apart. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think he flips it over actually. Yeah, he flips it over. But but they're also one what when we're they're they're in roll call or whatever, right? When they started, and that guy said the racist slur too, and then he was standing right next to Hightower, and he was like, "Well, that's a good thing," because he realized like how big. Oh Hightower yes, was. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, and. 
I'll just say this, like in terms of women's bathrooms and showers, they really need to redesign this academy. Oh, like because, how... because it's like on the, 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 like, it's not even the main floor. It's like the sub floor and the window with a, with a window with no frosting wide open that stares right into the stalls with a ledge right beside it. So people can literally just hang out. Right? So I, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on the CanCon right away. So it was filmed in Toronto. Uh, the, the Academy, the quote unquote Academy where it takes place is uh, currently the Lakeshore campus of Humber college, uh, which used to be like the Etobicoke psychiatric hospital or whatever. So uh, it was all filmed in Toronto. All the, the like kind of like city scenes and stuff are shot around the GTA. Uh, so yeah, a little bit of maple content uh, to start us off. We've got actually a bit of uh, CanCon in this film. So is that what you're calling it now? Okay. Well, it's technically, I mean, the CRTC here in Canada calls anytime you have Canadian content CanCon, but I mean, I can call it maple. I can call it whatever you want. You know what I mean? We can get crazy. Like... It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. It's the <laughs> summer and we're say... drinking now. So yeah. I was gonna say you're the only one that brings up all the Canadian content, so I'm like, is that what you're calling it? So I like calling it Chris Times. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so this is directed by Hugh Wilson. Uh, he's done his first movie, right? This it's his, his first, first. Mil- film as a director. Well, actually, yeah, it's his first film. Uh, so I actually did a, a little bit uh, of background on him. So he's the show. I, you probably don't know this show, but there's a classic '70s show called. WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, the radio station. Yeah. The, uh, the, one of the main guys. He's in part two. He's Lassard's brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even um, even George Gaines, who plays Commandant Lassard, I think was in one episode. But um, the director is the original showrunner from, that, from WKRP in Cincinnati. And he was able to actually kind of like leverage that success into the fact that he has like writing credits on this. He, he was able to direct and he has writing credits, which I'm going to talk about later on because there was a lot of back and forth. So technically this is written by uh, Neil Israel and thanks. Yeah. Pat Poff. Um, but uh, Hugh Wilson also share, shares writing credits with uh, Hugh Wilson trying to kind of like clean it up. And the other two actually, including the producer, uh Milansky trying to like dirty it up like almost in the vein of Porky's and I'm I'm using Porky's as a reference for a particular reason which I'll talk about a little bit later on so the nudity yeah but that's why normally like well the nudity when I do my intro I usually say like written by but with this I'm like there's way too many fucking memes (laughs) to try to say like all the people that apparently are getting credit on this film. That's why I was like, I'm just skipping it and just going to the director. Well, the, the reason I reference Porky's is actually not just the nudity, uh, but also the fact that Kim Cattrall is in Porky's and Porky's up until my big fat Greek wedding was the highest grossing Canadian film because there's like this weird, uh, the producer is Canadian or, you know, ha- you know, was des- it was designated as a Canadian film, but it's got like a hundred and eleven million dollar um, box office. And like I said, up until my fat, my big fat Greek wedding, Porky's for like decades was the highest grossing Canadian film. So. 
That's it? Like, you got nothing to say about like, that? Or what? I'm, I'm saying Porky's is a fucking good movie. Right? It is a good movie. It's actually super it's fantastic, and you should definitely go watch it if you haven't. Same with Meatballs. Meatballs is another, like, one of the top highest grossing uh, Canadian films with Bill Murray, right? So, uh, I mean, we do well with... I mean, if you think about it, our Big Fat Green Wedding is also... Like, Canada does well with the comedies, man. We're, we're funny people. We say a boot, and uh, we say sorry a lot, and we make good comedies, so... There you go. Shit's Creek now. That's all the. That's all the. Yeah, Kim's Convenience, Shit's Creek, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so one of the things I noticed, actually, so before I move on to like cast, so the editor of this is Zach Stannenberg, which I'm like, oh, I mean, the editing was fine. Zach goes on and becomes the editor of the fucking Matrix trilogy. He's like an action editor now. But just think of like the Matrix and like how crazy the editing is. Uh, like obviously the special effects, but like all these like crazy shots back and forth and da da da. And this guy early in his career is doing stuff like simple police academy. You know what I mean? I just thought that was a bit interesting. Well, you you got to start somewhere, right? Like you got to start with this to get to there, right? This is absolutely true. Um, same with the DOP. Like the DOP is uh, Michael Margulis or Margulis or something like that. Uh, so he had, uh, some really like actually artistic credits with, uh, a film called dirty, Mary, crazy Larry, which is very, very reminiscent of like, uh, Tarantino in grindhouse when he does death proof, like fast cars and loose women kind of thing. Uh, also he worked with, that's, Cast- your, what? <laughs> that's your fucking takeaway of death proof fast cars and loose. Yeah, but that's that, it's that, that like 70, <laughs> 70s B movie, uh, like driving kind of thing. Like I said, like fast cars, loose women and rock and roll. Uh, but he also worked on like a, like a kind of, um, a really important, uh, indie, I wouldn't even call it indie, but like film festival kind of film with Nick Cassavetes called Mini and uh, Mini and Mawasovic. A Mo, Mini and Mo, Ka, Mo, Smoth, I don't know, it's Polish. Oh, let, let, let's, let's just cut that out. Yeah, we, I can't. We, just say Mini and some Greek word. It's actually Polish. I'm pretty sure it's Polish. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he uh, he was the DOP on this, but he had, he'd been like a long-running DOP before that. I, but again, like the the cinematography in this film is not, important at all like you know what i mean it's very very simple yeah it is but it's still well done right like it's like, fine i can see why like, i'm not watching this, this to like fucking take filmmaking notes i'll tell you that right now Actually, well not from sometimes... not from cinematography but listen like wait you're i'm sure you're gonna you said the next thing you wanted to talk about was um the casting right sure so you have steve gutenberg who during this time was the busiest fucking actor. No, it was after this time. It was after this time he became the it busiest. Was this, this started it. It started it, but he wasn't, he, he wasn't the busiest during this period. This is the big stepping stone for Steve yeah. Gutenberg, right? But that's the thing. We went like, well, I know my childhood, but went almost a decade without, like, with Steve Gutenberg in... Uh, Everything. Yeah. Yeah, like so. So I've got I've got Police Academy one through four, Three Mm -hmm. Men and a Baby one and two, Cocoon was his highest grossing film ever. One and two, Three Men and a Baby, fucking Short Circuit. And actually, I put a special note in because I know how much you like the fucking wank your fucking penis. He was also in Ballers, the TV show on HBO. Yes, he was. And I put I put Scott's favorite show. 
Ballers? Yeah, he was in Ballers. It's also Ballers your favorite show, is it not? Yeah, but oh, it's, it's up there. But yeah, he was Scott, good. He was season. He was season three. The Rock for Ballers. <laughs> Sounds like oh a porn God. title. That does sound like a porn title. Listen, there's a reason why he's number one to like for loving America or whatever the fuck you just got on People's Choice or People Magazine. All right, everybody loves The Rock. No, that's like a story. I can't. Well, I guess they're making a TV show out of it. <laughs> I was gonna say I can't wait for that like documentary film, right? <laughs> the Seven Bucks documentary. But I'm like, I, I guess there there is the Young Rock TV show now, so you can just watch that. This is true. So, okay, I want to, I want to, I got this crazy information on Kim Cattrall. So, I mean, so Kim Cattrall, as we've already uh, talked about, was in Porky's. Uh, She was in Big Trouble in Little China. But let's be honest. Everybody knows her as Samantha Jones in Sex and the City. She's also actually in two really great TV shows called Sensitive Skin, uh, which is a a take on like a BBC show. Uh, Actually, it's a New Zealand show and filthy, or sorry. That's a BBC show. And then Filthy Rich is a take on a New Zealand film. This is what I found amazing about Kim Cattrall. So Kim Cattrall was born in England. This is my second piece of CanCon, which feeds into my third. Born in England, moves to BC, lives there until she's about 11, goes back to England, does like theater school, yada, yada, yada. But for Canadians out there, check this out. Kim Cattrall dated... Pierre Elliott Trudeau. So um, for Americans, that's our current prime, prime minister's dad. 60 Minutes in 2016 was showing a black and white photo of Kim Cattrall and Pierre Elliott Trudeau and thought that it was Justin Trudeau's mom, Margaret, in the photo because they're both so fucking young. I pulled up this photo and you got this black and white photo. So Kim Cattrall is like a bombshell, especially when she was young. She was super pretty. Fucking Pierre Elliott Trudeau always looks like a balding fucking old man. And he's always like rocking the fucking ladies. You know what I mean? So I was like, what? And Kim Cattrall's tweet after this was like, hey, my, uh, like she actually laughed about it. She's like, oh, my son is supposedly the prime minister of Canada. That's fantastic. You know what I mean? So I was like, that is fucking crazy. Like she dated the prime min- our current prime minister's dad. And she's only in her, she's like 62. Like, so she would have been young. Listen. First, I don't give a shit who she did it. Second, out of your list of fucking movies, how did you miss Mannequin that she starred in? <laughs> I, and I can't put them all fucking, on there. And fucking Star Wars, fucking Six, The Undiscovered <laughs> Country. How did you miss those two? Wait, sorry. I thought she was... Did you say Star Wars, The Undiscovered Country? Yeah, part six. She is the Vulcan. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes, you're right. She is. Uh, I mean, that's like later. Like, I mean, she, I just thought the the intrigue with the political intrigue was more enjoyable. And like Mannequin is not exactly like a box office fucking breaking film. I It do- was enough to make a fucking sequel. <laughs> Touche. 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 <laughs> with Christy Swanson and the guy from Weekend at Bernie's. Or was the weekend a Bernie's guy in this one? Uh, I'm not sure. There was a lot of people in this, and I only covered kind of the big people. Um, so, like, Bubba Smith, who plays Hightower, who's fucking dead. He died at 66 at age in twenty or in 2011. But this guy, I was like, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, this guy was a pro fucking athlete at some point. Uh, 
So he's a former NFL defensive end for the Baltimore yeah. Colts, the Oakland Later Raiders, and the Houston Oilers. He played in Super Bowl uh, three and five, winning five. Uh, obviously, he was in police academy one through six. Unfortunately, he was diagnosed with uh, chronic traumatic enthalpitis or enthalpy. Uh, which is basically like you fucking brain injury. You need, you need to stop with these fucking like long ass words. <laughs> like, we're we're not edited, and you just keep on trying to you trying say to it's like watch. Yeah, it's like trying so to watch. He was like diagnosed with CTE. ER. <laughs> <laughs> ER, where George Clooney doesn't doesn't get a second take. Right? <laughs> like, fuck it, we're just gonna make up words now. <laughs> anyway, he's fucking dead. He uh he was found dead at sixty six. Like you're so insensitive now. Well, he's fucking dead. <laughs> there's a lot of dead people. I mean, I when I was doing my notes, there's a lot of fucking dead people from this this movie, <laughs> man. When you watch the film, you, a, a lot of them do look like they're already at like the later years of their lives. No. <laughs> so yes. No, like people people this movie's forty years old, buddy. Okay, Dave Grath, who played Tackleberry, who as a kid was my favorite fucking character. Not a surprise I joined the military. Uh, <laughs> so he was in all seven Police Academy movies. Uh, he was also in Guarding Test, which was also written by Hugh Wilson. Uh, he died of a heart attack in twenty uh, in twenty twenty one or in twenty one uh, at fifty. He's fucking dead too. Boom. So fifty. We got sixty six. That's two. I've got two other people on my fucking list that are dead from this movie. Steve, Steve Gutenberg, don't worry, is still fucking happily alive. He is. He is. It's funny, like, watching this now, I'm surprised that they actually haven't gone the Cobra Kai route and just redo this as, like, a series. Oh, right? I'm, you don't think there's some fucking person out there right now possibly listening to this podcast going, I want to do that? Because it would work. You could actually just revamp the whole fucking series. I don't even think you have to revamp it. I think you go literally Cobra Kai, where it's like a continuation of the movies. But you have, technically, you bring Gutenberg back. He's now the the commandant. But you do it reverse, where, you know, he's very impolitically incorrect. But all the candidates are. Are. Right? And it's him trying to Okay, do... you heard it here first. Fucking yet again. Uh how you like that movie is putting out great screenwriting fucking material. Well, if it gets made, you just we we now have proof when this was written, when well, when this was recorded, and just be like, hey, we now have story credit, just like everybody else in this fucking movie. So, I mean, I understand why there was like a bazillion episodes of, or see uh, I'm like I understand why this became a big series. So this thing was shot on a $4.5 million budget and it grossed $150 million in the theater. Imagine going to watch this movie in the theater, like people seeing it that many times to gross $150 million at the box office. I mean, the whole franchise had roughly an $80 million budget and has made, and I couldn't get exact numbers, but over $500 million. This is again like those those horror movies that Blumhouse puts out. You know what I mean? Like make them for cheap. So you, so you mean everything I said at the beginning? Yes, everything. Like, you said do you even do you even fucking listen when? Come when on, I we know that I don't listen to you. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Give me another medical word. No, no, no. <laughs> Tune in next week to hear Chris try and say words that most people can pronounce. 
Oh, I know. All for all for um, fucking July. I'm just gonna pick medical dramas. <laughs> what <laughs> medical dramas and medical fucking comedies, one by one. EKG like, stands for. It stands for fucking EKG. That's where we're gonna stop. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Go ahead. um, I mean, so probably one. What did you have a favorite character growing up, like with this film? Uh, mine was it Mahoney was, or? No, no, mine was Tackleberry as well. Tackleberry's fucking dope, man. Yeah, I went Tackleberry, and then um, Levar Jones was like Michael Winslow, <laughs> the he, man he of second. ten thousand voices. Yeah, like the whole like rewatching this movie because I it always nagged me after watching this, but is at no point did he ever volunteer to be in this police academy. Like Mahoney just dragged him. That's so true. Right? He He doesn't even know because Mahoney's in the fucking meeting and he's like, because he he refers to himself as Monsignor Doctor. So when he's like, oh, he's my medical professional, you gotta you gotta bring that guy, right? Yeah. And then even when he gets there, he's like, Where the fuck are we? (laughs) He's like, Yeah, just play that, just play that stereo. Just keep on going, right? I love that stereo. I'm like, nothing says early 80s, like a fucking Boombox the size of a Buick, you know what I mean? Boop, yeah. Boop. yeah, they and then like, but my all time favorite is Bobcat's character, Zed. Okay, cool. Wait, yeah, yeah, he was my favorite, like in the franchise, but he's not in this film, unfortunately. He is not. Um, um, now, did you have a favorite scene in this one? I thought about this because I, I, I thought we would like prep for it or whatever, and it's like. Honestly, you know, a, it is a question we ask usually every episode. So, <laughs> I mean, the the horse and the ass is always great. The blowjob scene, I forgot like I forgot how great that was. Just like the like, you know, I know he's not giving a PowerPoint, but in today's like kind of like uh lexicon it would be a PowerPoint, you know, and you can see him kind of like, "Oh." <laughs> As he's getting blown in the but then he thinks that it's Mahoney that got him off. You know what I mean? Which I thought was great. Yeah, that was my, like, in this film, that was my favorite scene. It wasn't the blowjob scene. It was the after with him and Harris. He's like, what are you going to do with Mahoney? Well, what did he do? What did he do? <laughs> he did bad things. <laughs> to who? And he does it with that kind of British, he? British. He did, he did bad things. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, to who? To who did he do it? He's like, oh. like he just like can't say what happened because he's like torn. He's like he did bad, but he kind of did good. Felt, yeah, it felt good. And then when they like went back to it at the end, right? That that's what it, like it kind of puts that scene where the commandant before he goes to the um, the oh my god, what are those things called now? The podium. You see him bending down. They were always called in, podiums, right? by the way. That's not yeah, a yeah. new. That's not a new term that came out in like 2021. Yeah, but you see him squirt down and look at the bottom, right? Like, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> that he's scared. But then all of a sudden, you're like, she's down there. So I'm like, ah. Oh. So <laughs> it's like he's like scooting down and just being like, oh, now we're gonna get Mahoney back, kind of thing. But that, like, I like the how it it went full circle on that that little gag. So, would you watch it again? Probably not. Yeah, it was it was good. I, honestly, when I was watching Steve Gutenberg, I was like, he kind of reminded me, and I get why he kind of like 
he becomes kind of like a comedic leading man, but he reminded me the way he delivers his comedy is almost like a poor man's Bill Murray. Like the way his inflection is and like the pauses that he takes and the way he talks. And I'm, I'm like, obviously I'm emphasizing that right now. And I was like, I was watching it. I'm like, Oh, like you kind of are doing a bit of a Bill Murray shtick right now. That's how I felt watching him. Um, I mean, he did really well with this. Like, I mean, he was in everything, including the series. Like, it's kind of his big... No, he wasn't in the series. I think he did, like, a, an episode where he shows up. Uh, I don't think he did. Okay, maybe you're right. I don't think... I think he was done after four, right? Uh, like, after, yeah. Yeah, yeah, after yeah. the You know what? You're right. You're right. He only did one through four. Because, yeah. like you said, he was super busy doing, like... He was he was a big deal in the eighty late 80s, early 90s. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. He definitely was. Now we can get him on Cameo. We could get him on Cameo. We should, oh, fuck. We should totally start getting people on Cameo and then putting it into our podcast. That'd be fucking dope. I said that like literally a fucking month ago. Yeah, but I'm saying it now. That means there's more (laughs) gravitas. Come on. I'm the fucking creative element around here. Yeah. Okay. But the one thing I will say, like in terms of if we're going back to Kim Cattrall, like her character had no fucking point in this film. Like, well, she so was well. the love interest. Love interest? I wouldn't even call it love interest. She, she was no. Well, it's between her and I don't have the actor's name. Between her and the like drill instructor, the blonde. Oh, Sergeant Callahan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're like she. Yeah, Kim Cattrall basically plays like upper crust girl, makes it with like lead of show. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if you think about it, like in terms of her scenes, you see her like yeah, she she's like the rich girl. That you know, trying to get back at her parents for being a cop. But I mean, I he, guess that's why she isn't in any other any other police academy movies. You know what I mean? Well, that's normally how every sequel goes, except for the rest of the fucking cast. Yeah, but she she was the love interest, right? Like yeah. every no love interest makes it to the second movie ever. That's true. That is true. <laughs> like, how many girlfriends has? Batman had like why didn't Kim, why didn't Kim Basinger come back for Batman Returns? This is true. Why this didn't true. Katie Holmes come back for? Yeah, but Katie Holmes's character was in the second Batman. I the, the like, and I mean, we could dig into that. We're not going to do it on this show if we talk about Batman. But like the fact that uh, Joan Hall replaces Katie Holmes playing the same fucking role that was weird. You know, what I mean, everybody else is the same, but that was fucking weird. Um, Okay. Yeah, it's like Don would, Cheadle and Terrace Howard. Would you? Uh, would you? Well, we know why that happened, but and we can talk about that if we ever do Iron Man. Uh, <laughs> would you recommend this movie? If so, who to? See, that's the thing. I think it is a call. Like this is one hundred percent like a call film that I think most people have either stumbled onto or has sought out, right? Just by word of mouth. So, but that, like, I cannot wrap my head on who I would, like, who I would recommend it to, right? Okay. Like, like so, okay. You got right- anything? Yeah. Okay. So the writers on this, as I've said before, are uh, Neil Israel and Pat Prophet. And so between the two of them, they did Bachelor Party, Look Who's Talking To, but more importantly, they did Bachelor Party, Naked Gun, one, two, one through three, Hot Shots. Do you want to repeat through- yourself? What? Yeah, I'm you doing this for a reason. Said, I'm, I'm fucking no, no, segueing. I'm segueing. Wait, wait, wait. You said 
these writers wrote Bachelor Party and then whatever the second film was. And then you said mo- more importantly, they did Bachelor Party and then another. Yeah, I'm so, cool. So is if- Bachelor Party good or more important? Which one is Bachelor I'm Party? I'm going to fucking explain this if you would let me talk. <laughs> anyway, so Neil Israel and Pat Prophet, most importantly, though, they did a lot of films, but they did Bachelor Party together. They did Naked Gun 1 and 3. Uh, Hot Shots one and th- uh, one through two, and Scary Movie three through five. So, if you like that kind of comedy, if you're going back to like Airplane and Naked Gun and any of those types of films, yeah, this is like if you're a young person and you like that style of comedy, that slapstick comedy, that raunchy comedy, we could I I would say take that lineage all the way back to Porky's even further if you if you really want to get critical. Um, if you like that kind of comedy, then fucking. Police Academy is 100% in that wheelhouse. That is part of that lineage. And I think you brought up a really good point. This is one of these films that becomes like a, like a, a cult legacy. It becomes this franchise. I mean, do we really have a franchise other than aliens? Because the franchise actually spans multiple time. This film has a franchise. that's like bang, 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 bang. I mean, even karate kid is what three Four comes later. Uh, even Star Wars. Like, this this is a good run. I mean, hey, if, if you guys uh, have better uh, examples of uh, long-running franchises before Police Academy, you know, fucking hit us up on Twitter. Um, well, I wouldn't know about... Well, if you're going before, you're going to go James Bond. James Bond is always, like, kind of its own category, right? Because, like, they switch out actors. It's not necessarily the same storyline. It's, like, one character... I always put James Bond like on a shelf with a martini and a hot woman and some cigarettes. So yeah, so if you're going nowadays, basically Don Draper gets put on a shelf. Yeah, so if you're going nowadays, I would say equivalent would be Saw, Paranormal Activity, or Mission Impossible. Sure, yeah, hundred percent. But that's all after the fact, right? Or American American Pie could have kept it. Well, technically, they still have kept it going because there was a. 100 fucking direct to dvd things with american pie on it do we count direct to dvd or direct to pov or anything like that do we count like i don't i don't normally count that i to me it's like theatrical release i mean that might change after covid because you know we're all going to be mutants and that's the thing so that's the thing right like now like did you see that um it's the one thing i'm actually fucking looking forward in july and i wish I, i mentioned it in our in our podcast was that trailer for the Netflix Fear Street, oh, yeah. the horror trilogy, that they're literally releasing. Is part that the one. meta one that's supposed to be super meta? I don't know. It's like three. I guess it's based on some R.L. Stein novels, but literally, it's three horror films, and they're releasing part one one week, part two the other week, and part three the other week. That you get the tr- the trilogy within the month. Oh, but it's not released. All at once, like a, a typical binge-worthy kind of TV show. No, because it's films. Yeah, it's film. Interesting, it's not, interesting. It's not show. Yeah, so it's literally one week is one release. The next week is the next. And the last one's on the third. Which, like, to me, that that's going to... If this works, that's going to revolutionize the whole... Like, if you think people are making fucking movies for sequels now... <laughs> just imagine before it gets released the sequels already filmed yeah i mean covid's changing a lot of things um 
I mean, I don't have anything else to say about Police Academy other than, I mean, if you like comedy, if you like slapstick comedy, check it out. Um, if you haven't already, if you're not, you know, old like us motherfuckers. Um, if you're in the, uh, in here in Ontario, Canada, in the KW area, uh, try and show some love to our favorite cinemas in the local area, which is Princess Cinema and the Apollo Theater. Uh, Apollo right now is doing a little thing where you buy some raffle tickets and uh, you can win a lifetime membership to their shows. We bought some. We put our money where our mouth is. We bought some fucking stuff. So uh, try and beat us, man. Do the thing. Support local cinema. That's all for me. Scott, take us away. And that is our rant for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. You can also reach us and interact with us on social media at How Do You Like That One or email us at How Do You Like That Movie at gmail.com. Boys, you are in so much crap. Why? What would you do? Star Trek versus Star Wars. Star, Star, <laughs> Star Wars fans think they're the best franchise. Star Trek fans know they are. The you're, fucking you're oh, going to get, oh my you are going to get bad tweets out your ass. There it is. We uh, we are going to get eviscerated by the nerd the nerd coalition on the internet. We managed actually, or I, I believe by we, I mean me. Managed to actually upset two fundamentally opposed nerd coalitions against me, against us. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.